Hi guys, and welcome to the Mystery and Comedy Old Time Radio Podcast. Please welcome to the show tonight, writer, producer, and novelist, Miss Lucille Fletcher. Miss Lucille Fletcher started her career out in 1938, appearing and working with CBS doing a variety of odd jobs before 1943 when she got her big break and became a famous writer. She wrote and produced many shows for CBS such as Suspense, Lux Theater, and many others. But what Miss Lucille Fletcher is famously known for is her writing and her debut of her very first mystery on the microphone. It was portrayed by Mr. Orson Welles himself, and it is called The Hitchhiker. And the second most known and greatest mystery of all time was performed on the CBS radio show Suspense, and it was made into a motion picture movie, which starred Miss Barbara Stanwyck and Mr. Burt Lancaster. It is called Sorry, Wrong Number, which was portrayed on Suspense more than 10 times throughout the program's history, and the star of the show was Miss Agnes Moorhead. But what a lot of people may not know is that Miss Lucille Fletcher went on to become to become a novelist. She wrote many novels and she also wrote and produced for five movies. The first one was for Sorry Wrong Number. Her second through last film, the second film was called Night Watch. Third film was called was called Blindfold. And her final and last film was called Empire. But she also wrote and produced with Mr. George Romo in the 1986 movie Creepshow 2 where one of her plays was portrayed on the film The Hitchhiker. You may have heard Miss Lucille Fletcher on my previous two episodes my very first episode with Mr. Orson Welles and my Miss Agnes Moorhead episode where she played in Sorry Wrong Number and The Diary of Sophronia Winters. But tonight Miss Lucille Fletcher comes to the show in three new episodes. In this first episode it is called Dark Journey. In this episode a lady played by Miss Kathy Lewis 
is traveling to see a friend whom she hasn't seen or thought about in over 15 years. She is writing a memoir of what happened to her over 15 years ago. The lady who is portrayed in the diary or memoir is the lady portrayed by Miss Nancy Kelly. And in the second episode, it is called The Nightman. In this, a young woman goes to a correctional facility to make sure her mother's killer is still behind bars because she has been tormented for the past 10 years. But unbeknownst to her, she does not know that the killer is closer than she thinks. And in this final episode, which appeared on the NBC radio show, The Clock, it is called Bad Dreams with Mr. Elliot Lewis. In this, Mr. Elliot Lewis plays a man who traveled from Hungary and is working and has citizenship in the United States. He has been working for his wife's uncle for the past 10 years, but she does not know until he tells her that he has been having bad dreams. These bad dreams play out day by day, and they continue until one night they abruptly end. I hope you guys will enjoy Mrs. Seal Fletcher and her three new plays on the show for tonight. If you like the show, please comment and subscribe, guys, and enjoy the show. Thanks. Now, Roma Wines, R-O-M-A, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Roma Wines presents... Tonight, Roma Wines bring you Miss Nancy Kelly and Miss Kathy Lewis in Dark Journey, a suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Roma Wines by William Spear. Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills, is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness and entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now a glass full would be very pleasant, as Roma Wines bring you Nancy Kelly and Kathy Lewis in the premiere of Lucille Fletcher's radio play for two actresses, Dark Journey. Tonight's study in... Suspense. on a journey. I am going to see Ann Brody again after 15 years. When the news came yesterday, terrible as it was, it was as though a shadow had lifted from my life, a secret horror that I could never quite forget. 
I have been afraid of Ann Brody now for 15 years. But there is no need to be afraid of her anymore. has been locked in my heart together with all shameful, horrible things. Yet I've never gone on a journey like this one but what it comes back. There have been times when I couldn't bear the whistle of a train flung out long and mournful over the lonely countryside. I couldn't bear the smell of a day coach, the feel of the plush seats, the rattle and bustle. Only because everything came back. Every detail of that long and terrible weekend we spent together 15 years ago. Oh, Alice. Alice, we're all. Thank goodness. I don't think anybody saw it. Do you? No. Only old Mr. Hodges, the station master, and he's no goss. I wouldn't want anybody to know. Not that I care, but you know how the tongues wag in this town. Well, it's much better to be perfectly sure of your plans before you pass the word around. Then if you and Clyde don't settle things, well, nobody will be any the wiser. <laughs> if we don't settle things, well, there's no if about it. But Clyde and I are practically engaged. Did you get his letter yet about us coming to New York? Uh-huh. Well, for goodness sake, why didn't you tell me? What'd he say? Oh, nothing much. He's, he's no letter writer, just that he was glad and that he's been busy, and he's going to call us at the hotel. Oh? He can't meet us at the train? No. Uh, it seems it's his mother's birthday, and he promised to take her to lunch in town. We'll be getting in just around that time. He's terribly devoted to her, you know, has been ever since his father died. Oh, I see. You're very much in love with him, aren't you, Anne? Terribly. Yet you really see him so little. How long has it been now? Three months? Three months and six days. But it doesn't really matter. No. I know Clyde loves me and I love him. There's a bond between us. And nothing will ever break it. Well, as long as you feel that way, it's a wonderful way to feel. But I don't think you ought to let it drag on like this much longer, Anne. I really don't. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll settle it this time once and for all. You'll see. When we get on this train again, I'll be wearing his engagement ring on my finger. tied up with his mother. Come on, let's go down to the drugstore and have a sandwich. Aren't you just starved? No, no, I, I don't feel hungry. You go, though. I'll wait. Oh, come on. The clerk will take the message for No, me. no, I I want to be here myself. Why don't you call him? I can't if he's at a restaurant. Well, maybe he didn't go. Maybe he's home, sick, or, or at the office. No, no, it, it wouldn't look right. He's got to call me. I... I, I don't know why he doesn't. I don't know why either. In fact, why couldn't we all have had lunch together at that restaurant? I mean, he, he's not exactly poor, is he? Uh, don't you want to take a bus ride or see the sights or anything? Later, Alice. After he's called. Hello? Yes? Oh, yes, this is Miss Ann Brody. What? He, he left a message. Oh, thank you. What is it? He 
stopped by and left a message. He has a previous engagement. A previous engagement? When he knew I was coming to New York this weekend only to see him. Well, maybe it was something he couldn't get out of. Maybe on account of his mother. But he birth. already gave her today. And after all, he knew I was coming. He knew I'd want to be with him every possible minute. Well, maybe that's the trouble, Anne. Maybe he doesn't want to be pinned down. Maybe you expect too much. But he was right here in the hotel, and he didn't even... Oh, he's grown away from me. He's not mine anymore. Alice. Alice, you know what Clyde has meant to me these three years, how I've lived for him and worshipped him. It's... Oh, it's just as though my, my world has been cut away. It's like... It's like having a lump of ice for a heart. Alice, Clyde is my heart. Oh, I... I've got to see him. I've got to tell him. Oh, Anne. Dear, wouldn't you like to lie down? No, no, I can't lie down. I'm free to sit here in, in this chair by the window. I wish you'd go, Alan. I want to be quiet and think and think about him. Anne, I wouldn't. Something's happened to him. There's some barrier. I've got to wish it away to break it down. What are you talking? I can do it, you know. And please go. Please. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Don't tell me it's nine o'clock. I didn't mean to sleep so late. We better get up and get breakfast, Alice. Alice, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? He hasn't called me. I haven't slept. Why don't you call him, Anne? Call him and have it out with him once and for all. No, no, I, I couldn't. Well, maybe there's something bothering him. Maybe it's some family situation. After all, his mother didn't have lunch with me yesterday. Maybe there, maybe there was a reason. What reason could there be except that she didn't want to meet me? She doesn't want him to marry anybody. She wants him all to herself. Well, isn't that enough to upset any fellow? Oh, come on. We'll get to the bottom of this thing. What's his number? I'll get it for you. I, I haven't his number. I never called him at home. But his address is 3254 Sunset Drive, Riverdale, New York. 3254 Sunset Drive, Riverdale, New York. Hello. Uh, hello, operator. This is room 351. We want to put in a call to Riverdale, New York. Uh, 3254 Sunset Drive, Riverdale, New York. Uh, the name is Dexter. Mr. Clyde Dexter... Will you get it for us, please? What did she say? She's looking at us. Uh, there it is. She's ringing. Here, you better take it now. Oh, no. No, just one minute. One minute. Let me get my breath. Let me think of what I'm going to say. Hello? Is this the Dexter residence? This is Miss Ann Brody speaking. I wonder if I might speak to Mr. Clyde Dexter, please. Thank you. Clyde? Oh, Clyde, this is Anne. Oh, I'm, I'm fine, thank you. Oh, Clyde, I've been waiting here at the hotel for you to call, and Alice and I have to spend the morning out, and we thought we'd better let you know we wouldn't be in just in case you wanted... Oh, yes, Clyde, I, I know you said you had a previous engagement, but I thought... Well, you see, Clyde, I'm only going to be here today, and we get to see each other so little, I was wondering... What's that, Clyde? Yes? Yes? Well, no, I, I didn't. What did you say, Clyde? I, I didn't understand. 
You're what? You... Oh, Clyde. Oh, Clyde, it's not true. It's... It can't be. But Clyde, we... But Clyde, you can't do this to me. I've... I've considered myself engaged to Anne, you. I... Anne, give me that phone. No. Oh, no. I just want to say goodbye to him, please. No. Anne, don't... Don't look that way. What did he say? He... He told me he's engaged to marry a New York girl this September. Oh, Anne. Well, he... He just isn't worthy of you. He couldn't have been if he treats you like this now. I love him. I love him. I love him till the day I die. <laughs> Anne, I'm... I'm sorry. I, I'm... Oh, please, Alice, please don't talk. Don't come near me or go away, will you, just for a little while? Oh, no, I won't leave you. I can't leave you when when you look like oh, that. go away, I said. How do you hear me? Go away. I want to be alone. I want you to go away. I... I have work to do. Work to do? I'm... I'm going to will him to come back to me. I'm going to make him come to this hotel through heaven and hell. And they're dragging him away from me. Oh, Anne. I can do it. I've done it before. I've made him write to me. I've made him call me up out of a clear sky after months and months. I willed him to speak to me the very first time I saw him when he was just a stranger. I willed him to give me his fraternity pin last year at the spring dance, and I can do it. I can do it. If only I try hard enough, and... And if you're absolutely quiet... Clyde. Clyde. It's no use. He's too far away. I'll have to come closer to him. We're going out. Going out? Where to? To Riverdale. Riverdale? I want to look at his house to see where he lives. There's something there. Someone who's holding him back. Anne, let's go back to Denford. Let's take a train tonight, any train, and get out of here for good. No, I can't go home. I told you that before. I can't until I have his engagement ring on my finger. <laughs> Roma Wines are bringing you Nancy Kelly and Kathy Lewis in Dark's Journey by Lucille Fletcher. Roma Wines' presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Between the acts, this is Truman Bradley for Roma Wines with a little domestic drama. It's happened to you before and will happen again. You're relaxed in your easy chair, coat off, contentedly reading your evening paper. Your wife is probably tidying up after dinner. The doorbell rings. Sure enough, it's guests who just dropped in. Now, famed hostess Elsa Maxwell tells us how she handles these surprise visits. She says, I always keep Roma California Sherry on hand to welcome unexpected guests. Serving Roma Sherry is so simple, you just pour and hospitality reigns. And because Roma is America's favorite wine, you know your guests will enjoy it. Yes, there's no easier way to gain a reputation for gracious hospitality than by keeping Roma Sherry ready for guests. 
And Roma, America's taste favorite, the wine more Americans prefer, costs no more than ordinary wines. So make a note to get mellow, golden amber Roma sherry tomorrow. Once you try the tempting fragrance and intriguing nut-like taste of Roma sherry, you'll always ask for Roma. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Remember, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wine. And now Roma Wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage Kathy Lewis as Alice and Nancy Kelly as Anne in Dark Journey, a play well calculated to keep you in suspense. Like this, there might be strange men. There's a street, Sunset Drive, and there's a house. I've seen pictures of it. I'd, I'd know it anywhere. Anywhere. Oh, Anne, please. This is doing you no good. Oh, I've dreamed about that house, dreamed of myself and him living in it together. I've dreamed of our children playing on that lawn and the sound of music inside and our car standing outside. But it wouldn't mean a thing to you, Anne, if Clyde didn't love I've you. I've dreamed of the years we'd spend together. Why, well, I, I even named the children. Clyde Jr. and Peter and Charlotte. That's his mother's name. I never liked it, but I was going to call one child that just to please him. And now, what have I got? Nothing. Nothing. It's gone. Come on. Come on with me, Anne. Oh, well, there's a light going on up here. He pulled it to his room. I wonder if he's home. Clyde. Clyde. Think of me. Come back to me. Oh, love me, Clyde. Love me. Love me. Don't, Anne, don't. Somebody might hear you. Shadow at the window. Oh, it's Clyde. Oh, no. No, it's someone else. It's a woman. A gray-haired woman. Oh, it's his mother, Alice. Clyde's mother. I don't think he's home, Anne. Let's go back to the hotel. No. No, I want to see her. I've heard so much about her. She always turned her nose up at me. He never admitted it, but I knew. He was the only son, and she thought there wasn't anybody good enough. And, and he was always under her influence, just believed everything she said. I could tell the way he talked. It was always mother says this and mother says that. I bet it was she who turned him against me. You picked out that, that New York girl. Oh, Anne, please, come on. You're just tearing your heart She's out. She's up in his room now. She's straightening his thing. She's happy up there. She doesn't care that she's made me miserable. Oh, I can feel it now, Alice. I can feel the barrier in my heart. Something's coming. Let's go. We're doing no harm. We can stare, can't we, if we wish? Come on. Come on, we'll walk past the house. We'll get fire. We'll go up and ring the bell. And, and then when she comes down to answer it, we'll ask, Is Mrs. Clyde Dexter at home? And then when she asks us who we mean, we'll laugh at her face. Oh, Anne, you're, you're just beside yes, yourself. Yes, I am. I am beside myself because I feel it, Alice. He's lost to me as long as she's up there. Oh, I can stand here, out here under the trees, trying to reach him with every bit of soul I possess, but... As long as she's there, as long as she's alive, he'll never be mine again. Oh, 
Joan, this is terrible. You've got to pull yourself together and get some rest. You've been sitting in that chair now for three hours. Please, don't talk. Just let me alone. You're... You're working on that willpower thing still, aren't you, Anne? And it, it makes me awfully nervous. Be quiet. It's coming. Something's coming. Something's going to happen. I feel it all around. I'm going to get a doctor if you don't stop. I feel it. I feel something. You're just as white as a sheet. You're shaking all over. I absolutely refuse to let this go on. Do you hear? Now, you, you get into bed. No. Let me take off no, your No, no, no. Leave me alone. It's as though there were a big lump being moved off my heart. As though the ice inside me were going. As though I, I could cry at last. Oh, it's happened. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you. All right. I'll lie down now. I'll go to sleep. If you could sleep, you'd feel better. If you just relax. I've done it, Alice. You'll see. He'll be here in the morning. Lie down now. There he is. Didn't I tell you? There's Clyde now. Hello? Yes. Yes, this is room 351. Yes, this is Ann Brody speaking. Yes. It's Riverdale calling. Riverdale. Clyde? She didn't say. Oh. Hello? Yes. Yes, I'm Ann Brody. Why, yes, I'm a friend of Mr. Clyde Dexter. Who did you say this is, please? The, the police. The police. Oh, something hasn't happened to Mr. Dexter, has it? Oh. What? Yes. Yes, my friend and I were out to the house late this afternoon, around six o'clock. Well, yes, I, I did wear a white hat and a green dress, and, and she... W oh, but we took the subway, the White Plains Express, on the Interborough line from our hotel. We came back around seven. We, well, we just walked past the house two or three times, but... Well, what's the matter? Why are you asking me these questions? No, I haven't seen them. I... What? Give me the phone, Anne. Let me speak to them. You're in no condition Keep to... Away. Do... You know what they're saying? Do you? That Clyde's mother has been murdered. What? Oh, no. No, I haven't. Yes? No. No, we didn't. We just came right home. We didn't even ring the bell. Is Mr. Destica there with you? I see. Well, I'd like to speak to him, please, when he gets through. Will you ask him to call me? Yes. We'll stay here in the room. Oh, Anne. It was a hammer. At 8 o'clock tonight. She was struck from behind by an unknown assailant. Oh, how awful. Well, why did the police call us? What have we got to do with it? Clyde was home when we walked by the house. He saw us standing there. I'm going to tell him, Alice. I'm going to tell him the truth. Truth? What truth? There's always been that power inside me. I've known I had it, and sometimes it frightened me. Things have happened. I've been afraid sometimes to use it, afraid it would turn against me. And tonight it did turn against me. And what do you mean? By an unknown assailant. Murdered by an unknown assailant. You know who that assailant was? It was me. 
Anna, are you crazy? You you were up here in, in the room every minute. I was up here in the room, but I was wishing she were dead. I was willing him to come to me. I was trying to destroy the barrier. Surely you can't believe that, Anna. It was only a coincidence, a terrible coincidence. I was trying to bring him back, to touch his heart, but the power didn't touch his heart. His heart's like steel against me. It struck his heart and glanced off and struck her dead. Anna, please, you're talking like a little... You don't understand. People like you can understand. People like you... But there's violence to will. To store it up takes years. To send it out of yourself is like, like sending a powerful hand with fingers. Will can't kill somebody, Anne. Not pure will. The body is one thing, the mind's another. Mrs. Jexter is physically dead. Her heart stopped beating. There was a blow. Somebody real, somebody human did that. It was struck from behind. She was alone in the house. They said the doors were locked. She had no enemies. It came out of nothing and it went away again. Oh, I, I never dreamed. I didn't want it to happen that way, but but it's getting beyond me. It's assuming forms and accomplishing ends I don't plan. It's, it's turning against me, Alice. Turning against me. Do you think a police court will believe you? You'll only confuse the testimony. You'll only hurt Clyde. Will. Will. You talk about the power of your Will. Did you have any real power these last two days? Did it bring Clyde to this hotel? Did it make him love you or even call you up? Yes. 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 Don't you touch him. I won't let you speak to him. Get away from that phone, Alice. Do you want to get us in trouble? Do you want us to go to jail and spend weeks in court? He'd put you there. He wouldn't care. Get away from that phone, Alice. I don't believe you, do you hear? I think you're mad. You're mad as a hatter. Get away from that phone. Oh, no! Anne, you'll ruin your life. You'll fall into suspicion, and people will always think you had something really to do with it. You'll, you'll end up in an asylum. The whole world will know he jilted you. What, what are you going to say to him? He must be half beside himself as it is. He'll, he'll never believe you. What? All right. Thank you, Alice. You see? It is there, isn't it? I made you do what I wanted. And I can make anyone. Hello? Hello, Clyde. Oh, Clyde, darling, I just heard the terrible news. How terrible for you. I'm so sorry. Yes, Alice and I were out there this afternoon. We came by to say hello, but we got cold feet and came home. No, Clyde. No, we didn't. Not a soul. Oh, yes, my darling. I I understand how terribly broken up. And, and my heart goes out to you. Oh, I will, Clyde. Dearest, I will. I'll be right over. I'll help you in any way I know. Goodbye, Clyde. Anne. You didn't tell him. You're not going to tell him at all. No. Why should I? He's mine now. And so, Anne Brody walked out of my life. 
walked from me wrapped in her new and terrible strangeness. Somehow I didn't want to play any part in her life again. I didn't go to her wedding when she and Clyde were married one year later. To me, there would have been something evil in hearing her voice repeat the sacred word. I am. Take thee, Clyde. There has been for me a nameless horror in the slow, steady way Anne Brody fulfilled her plans. The house in Riverdale, the car, the three children, Peter, Clyde Jr., and Charlotte. Her happiness, her triumphant motherhood had somehow been hideous to me. I've never heard a train whistle crying through the dawn but what I've thought of her and shuddered. I have been afraid of Anne Brody now for 15 years. Today, I know I've been a fool. Today, I know that it was a real murderer who murdered Mrs. Dexter with a hammer from the service porch. Today, I'm going on a journey to Riverdale. I am going to see Anne Brody again. Lying willless and struck down in her coffin. Lying innocent and pathetic. Lying murdered. Not will nor nameless monsters of the mind could save her from the truth at last. Yesterday afternoon, the weak, long, brooding creature who could not brook domination from mother or wife flung pent-up death against the mistress of his will. Yesterday afternoon, Clyde Dexter struck again. Suspense. Presented by Roma Wine. R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is Truman Bradley for Roma Wines with a tip on how to win praise and increase dining pleasure. Today, millions of clever homemakers are enjoying dinner table compliments by giving everyday dishes tempting new meal appeal. Here's the secret. A glass of red Roma California Burgundy at each place. Try it yourself. Serve robust Roma Burgundy with tomorrow night's piping hot savory pot roast, tender juicy steak, or baked fish. Roma Burgundy brings a tasty new flavorfulness from every morsel, wins grateful compliments for your cooking, and notice how the warm glowing redness of Roma Burgundy adds richness and beauty to your table. Yet the gracious custom of serving Roma, America's favorite wine, is as inexpensive as it is delightful. Enjoy exciting new dining pleasure tomorrow with delicious Roma Burgundy. Insist on Roma. R-O-M-A. Roma Wine. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is Nancy Kelly. I'm sure you want to hear next Thursday's suspense when Joseph Cotton will star as a famous New York criminal lawyer in one of the best-known suspense stories of our time. Then hex crime without passion. Thank you. Nancy Kelly will soon be seen in the Paramount picture, Follow That Woman. Next Thursday, same time, 
Roma Wines will bring you Joseph Cotton as star of Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Produced by William Spear for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California. Next week, part of the country goes on daylight saving time. If your area remains on standard time, tune in suspense one hour earlier. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Now, Roma Wines present... Suspense. Tonight, The Nightman, starring Virginia Bruce and Richard Waugh. Suspense, presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness in entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now a glass full would be very pleasant as Roma Wines bring you... Suspense! This is the Man in Black, here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, who tonight bring you as stars Miss Virginia Bruce and Mr. Richard Wolf. They appear in The Nightman, a new study in terror by Lucille Fletcher. It is a story of dark midnights, and of a woman to whom the familiar face and voice of murder return for vengeance. But before we raise the curtain on our suspense play, here is a message from Roma Wines. In many foreign countries where discerning tastes have found Roma Wines, they are an inexpensive luxury imported and treasured. For Roma Wines are in every sense fine wines from the choicest vineyard country of California. They are products of age-old winemaking skill, aided by modern quality controls and tests that assure unvarying excellence of taste and character. Yet, Roma wines cost you mere pennies a glassful. Such enjoyable flavor and constant quality, such low cost, such high wine value, have made Roma by far America's largest selling wines, enjoyed by millions with meals when entertaining any time. Try Roma wine yourself. Tomorrow at dinner, no matter what you are serving, place on the table a cool bottle of ruby red hearty Roma California Burgundy. See how much new zest it adds to food. How it makes a real occasion of even the simplest meal. To enjoy this extra mealtime pleasure, just ask your dealer for R-O-M-A, Roma wine. Made in California or enjoyment throughout the world. And now with the performances of Virginia Bruce as Stella Rhodes and of Richard Worf as the Nightman, we again hope to keep you in suspense.
Warden Graves. Yes, Miss Rhodes. Sit down, won't you? Thank you. I hate to disturb you like this, but I've traveled clear across the country. They wouldn't give me the information over the phone. I know. You know what this visit is all about, Warden. To some extent, yes. You think one of our prisoners, Tom Nixon, has escaped. He has escaped. I'm as sure of it as, as I'm sure of sitting here now. I saw him at large in New York City two days ago. You knew Tom Nixon well, Miss Rhodes? Knew him? Well, he was my mother's murderer. My mother was Mrs. George Rhodes of Huntington, Long Island. She ran a boarding house there. He killed her on September 18th, 1932. We have all the records of the crime, Miss Rhodes. Tom was mother's chief boarder for ten years. <sighs> know him. Why, I sat opposite him at dinner table from the time I was a girl of 15. I knew him as well as I knew mother. I'd, I'd know him anyway. I see. And now he's at large. He's free. He's escaped this place. Maybe you're not aware of it. Maybe even his fellow prisoners aren't aware of it. But he's wormed his way out. And he's after me. He's after oh, me. Oh, now, my dear young lady. Warden Graves. Ten years ago, when Mother was found murdered, I knew it couldn't have been anyone but Tom. I testified against him. I was practically the only witness at the trial. And when they sentenced him here for life, he swore to kill me. He swore in the open court to get even with me. For ten years, I've lived in deadly fear. I've watched the newspapers for prison breaks. I've moved from house to house, made few friends. He's hung over me like a shadow. Even though I told myself he was locked up here... Locked up here forever. And now it, it's come. And where exactly did you see the prisoner, Miss Rose? That's just the point. That's why I know he's after me. I saw him in my own apartment house. Well. He has a job there, running the elevator at night. That's what makes it so horrible. I've never married Warden Graves. I live all alone in a small three-room penthouse on the 18th floor of an office building. The other night, about a week ago... I came home alone from the movies after midnight. The big marble lobby of my building was deserted, except in a far corner near the elevator with his back toward me. There was a man, down on his hands and knees, scrubbing the floor. Good evening. Evening. everybody. Isn't the elevator working tonight? You want to go up in the elevator, Mum? Certainly. I'll be right with you. Okay, Mum. What floor? I was in the elevator, and he had started to ascend before I really saw him. It was Tom. His hair had turned white, and there was a horrible stoop to his shoulders. But everything about him, the crook of his head, his high, thin, bony nose... The hollow cheekbones were all the same. And then he turned and stared at me. I could see those deadly, pale, cold eyes. Those heavy eyebrows, still black. That familiar, quiet, sarcastic mouth. What floor, Mum? Oh, oh. my floor. Uh, yes, the penthouse, please. Penthouse? Where's that, on the roof? Yes, on the roof, please. 18th floor. Okay. Warden Graves. It was like being in a cage with a wild beast. He kept watching me, peering at me furtively as the elevator moved with agonizing slowness up and up past the floors. I shrunk back, averting my face. The light in the car was dim. My only hope was that he did not recognize me. Here's your floor, miss. Thank you. 
Good night. Good night. Good night. You can go back down. I, I don't need anything, thank you. What's the matter? Forgotten your door key? No. No, it's just... It's right in my bag. I'll find it in a minute. You want me to let you in? Let me in? No. No, good Lord. I got pass keys to all the doors. It's no trouble. No, thanks, but I... No, no. No, I, I have it right here. Good night. And uh, that was the first time you saw him? Yes. Oh, I wanted to die. I didn't know where to turn. And that was all he did or said? Yes, but it wasn't so much what he said as the awful resemblance. The feeling that he was only playing with me, torturing me like a cat with a mouse. Warden Graves, I didn't even have a phone. I've always been afraid to be listed in the phone book. And the only way up to that penthouse was by that one elevator. I was trapped up there, at his mercy whenever he wanted to come. What did you do? I spent the night crouched against the wall with a flat iron in my hand, waiting for that key to click in my lock. And uh, the next morning? The next day, I began to wonder if it all wasn't just a dream. Good morning, Miss Rhodes. Good morning, Gallagher. Lovely weather we've been having. Lovely, dry and brisk, but not too brisk. Not overcoat weather yet. No, not overcoat weather yet. I was only saying to Foley this morning. Gallagher. Uh, uh, yes, Miss Rhodes, yes. Who's that new nightman running the elevator? The one who came on last night? Oh, Foley? You mean Foley, Miss Rose? Why, that's Charlie Foley. Nice old chap, ain't he? Very friendly and obliging to treated me to coffee this morning before I came on. Charlie Foley? Yep, that's his name. They're very partial to the Irish here in this building. Gallagher, Foley. Ah, but he's a nice, trustworthy chap, Miss Rose. Honest, too. Good morning, Miss Rose. Good morning. Forget something, Miss Rose? No, no. Uh, just about this Mr. Foley. It's, it's just that he's rather uh, odd-looking. I was wondering where he came from and if he's perfectly all right. <laughs> all right? Let me tell you something. He was personally recommended by Ellsworth, Hitchcock, Pearson and Scott, the owners of the place. And that's the first time that's ever happened in my experience. Don't you worry about him, Miss Rhodes. He's a good man, member of our union, and married with two children. Believe me, we're the owners recommend a man. Well, it all sounds like a foolproof alibi, Miss Rhodes. And so you went back? Well, I didn't want to, even then. I spent the day hunting for another apartment. But you know wartime New York, Warden Graves. There wasn't another apartment to be had. I let myself be convinced until that night when I saw him again. Good evening, Miss Rhodes. He called me Miss Rhodes. And now there was a cruel, sarcastic smile about his lips kind of smile I'd seen him give to Mama. You think he recognized you then? Recognized me? Warden Graves, I haven't changed. Perhaps I've grown a little thinner. Don't you see he'd come there only to trap me? He'd taken that particular job, plotted, schemed. Here's your floor, Miss Rhodes. 
was only a question of when. When he was going to do it. When the axe was going to fall. He kept grinning at me as I stepped out of the elevator. Good night, Miss Rhodes. Good, good night. Miss Rhodes, there, there wasn't any answer to my ring. What do you want? What are you doing here? It's your laundry. They told me to put it inside the door in case you weren't home. My laundry? Oh, but you knew I was home. You just brought me up. That's right. Excuse me, I, I guess I must have been thinking of something else. Yes. I'm sorry, Miss Rhodes. Very sorry. That's all right. Good night. It was a crazy mistake. There I was thinking you could get up here some other way. But there isn't any other way, is there? No. Even the service elevator doesn't get up this far, does it? No. It's just like you're all alone here. Alone. On the roof. Yes. Don't even come any closer. I'll kill you to hear. I'll kill you with my bear... What was that, Mum? Get out! Get out! Get out! It's oh, my buzzer. I better answer it. And then what happened? Nothing. He came back again that night? No. I haven't seen him since. I barricaded myself in that night. Once it, it, it occurred to me that I might escape by running down 18 flights of fire stairs. The thought of meeting him back in the gloomy darkness kept me back. And I didn't know where the fire stairs ended. Perhaps in the cellar, where I would be utterly defenseless. It's too bad you don't have a telephone. Oh, it's horrible. The next morning, I got down to the public phone and put through the call to here. But it wasn't any use. That was the day I was out of town. Yes, but, Warden, I still don't see why they couldn't have told me. After all, I was giving them information. It's one of our strictest regulations at Osawapotomy State Penitentiary never to discuss any of our prisoners over the telephone. That's what they said. So you came all the way out here in person? Yes. And now you wish me to send someone to apprehend this man? I want you to bring him back, that's all. Back where he belongs. Miss Rhodes, Tom Nixon doesn't need to be brought back. He's here. Oh, no, Warden Graves. Please, I I've seen him with my own eyes. Talk to him face to face. Maybe there's someone here calling himself Tom Nixon. But he's escaped. He's free. I know it. Will you just step this way with me, Miss Rhodes? No, no, I, I don't want to see him. I don't want to see his cell or, or talk to anybody. Or... Tom Nixon's dead, Miss Rhodes. He's buried in the prison yard. I'd like you to see his grave. <laughs> And this is the photograph taken of him just a week before he died. You see, he wasted away quite a bit. He was in the infirmary all last year. Became very religious, too, toward the end. Spent a good deal of his time praying. Praying? Mm-hmm. All the fights seemed to go out of him as soon as he knew he was seriously ill. But uh, you'd say this was his picture, wouldn't you, Miss Rhodes? Yes. It's Tom, all right. Mm-hmm. And these little personal belongings... Ordinarily, we turn these over to the family, but in Tom's case, well, there wasn't uh, uh, much family. You'd uh, recognize these as his? Yes, I, I don't know them all, but 
<laughs> that gold watch. He used to wear it every Sunday at Mama's. He wrote a couple of notes before he died to a fellow prisoner and to the prison chaplain. You remember this handwriting? Yes, this seems to be it. <clears throat> Well, Miss Rhodes, now you feel a little better about your elevator operator? Hmm? You must think me a fool. No. An awful a, fool. Not at all, not at all. But the likeness was so extraordinary. It was almost like seeing a ghost. A ghost? <laughs> come, come, Miss Rhodes. Snap out of it. Now that you've gotten all this off your chest, isn't it perfectly obvious that that poor nightman's done nothing or said nothing to you at all out of the ordinary? It's only that, uh, well, you seem to be the victim of some kind of uh, guilt complex. Guilt complex? Oh, I'm not guilty of anything. Oh, what I mean is Tom has been on your mind now for ten years. You testified against him. He threatened you gradually. You see him everywhere. No, no, only this once. Only these, these last few nights. All right. But now you know the truth. That should clear your fears forever. Tom's dead and buried. Now go back and take a look at that nightman again. Now that you know Tom's dead, I'll lay odds the whole resemblance will vanish. Well, I hope so. My advice to you, Miss Rhodes, would be to go straight home. Use that elevator as much as possible. Get acquainted with this Foley fellow. For your own sake, try to get the better of these hallucinations. Otherwise, you'll start seeing poor Tom everywhere you turn. Well, I'll try, Warden Graves. Well, thank you. You've been very kind. Not at all. Good evening, Charles. Evening, Mum. I have some bags here, Charles. Will you help me with them, please? Okay. That all, Mum? Yes, thank you. Uh, this is for you, Charles. No, thanks, ma'am. I uh, never take tips. It's all right. I, I'd like you to have it. I'm sure the superintendent wouldn't mind. The superintendent hasn't anything to do with it. <laughs> well, aren't we going to start? Yeah, in a minute. Been out of town? Why, why, yes, I have. You've gone quite a while. I didn't see you for three or four nights. I was in the country, visiting a friend. Oh. Why, it's beautiful weather out there. The leaves are beautiful. I wouldn't know. You live in the city, Charles? Of course. Oh, isn't it hard to bring up children in the city? Children? Yes. Uh, didn't I understand Gallagher to say you had two children? Me? What chance I have to have any children? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm a bachelor. By the way, my name is not Charles. Well, guess this must be my floor. No, it's not. Then, why are we stopping? The elevator's stuck. Power's been cut off. Cut off? Mm-hmm. Oh, but how could that happen? It's never happened before, as long as I've lived here. Yeah. Well, sooner or later, I guess it had to happen. Isn't there some way we can get it back on? Some buzzer for the cellar or something? If the power's off, the buzzer isn't working. It's a wonder the lights are still on. The, the lights? Yeah. They'll go out in a few minutes, though. 
Then it'll be black in here. Black as a grave. <gasps> let, let's get out of here. Open the door. Can't. She won't budge. But you haven't even tried. I don't have to try. We're stuck between floors. The door's flush with the solid wall. Solid wall? Yeah. We're kind of bricked up in a cell. But there must be some way out of here. Some, Isn't there a little door in the roof? Something you can pry open? Something you can climb up out of into the shaft? I don't see any. Oh, but there must be. Climb up and, and feel around before the light gives out. There's nothing to get hold of. It's nothing but steel and mirrors. And I'm not tall enough. Stand on my bags. That's a good idea. They'll never hold me. Oh, it's all right. Just hurry. Here. The Gladstone's strongest. No, never make it. Oh, but stand on your tiptoes. Stretch. No. Let me try. Oh, dear. No, I can't. I didn't think so. Well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Wait. Wait? Wait until somebody comes along downstairs and finds the elevator stuck. And then rings up the superintendent. Oh, but that might be ours. Sure. No! Help! Help! Somebody help! your time. Everybody's left the building, I know, because they've all signed out. This air shaft's thick, isolated. Nobody's down in the basement, and there won't be any passengers ringing for an elevator this time of night. You seem awfully sure about all that. Why not? Cigarette? No, thanks. Do you think it's safe to smoke in here? Sure. And supposing it isn't, what's the difference? Yeah, have one. It'll soothe your nerves. No, thanks. The air's so close. Jumpy, ain't you? No, I suppose really there's nothing to be afraid of. Sooner or later, they'll come. Oh, sure. Eventually. It's just that this waiting and all these mirrors and being stuck. You're not jumpy on account of me? You? Oh, no, no, of course not. But you were kind of... Jumpy with me the other night, weren't you? The other night? When I came into your apartment unexpectedly. Oh, oh, that, that was a mistake. A mistake? Yes, I, I just thought you were someone else, a friend of mine, someone I've always been afraid of. Oh. But now I've learned it couldn't be you because this friend's dead, dead and buried. Dead and buried? Yes. What was his name? Maybe I know him. Oh! What was that? Only the lights. I knew they'd give out sooner or later. Oh, no. No, they can't. I can't stay here alone in the dark with you. So you are jumpy with me. No, no. I thought you said this guy was dead and buried. He is, he is. I saw his grave. Then why are you screaming like that? I'm not screaming. Only it's so dark in here. So close and creepy. What did you do to this friend that makes you so jumpy? Do? Do to him? Nothing. I didn't do a thing. No. It was he. He threatened me. He was a murderer. He killed my mother in cold blood ten years ago. He was our boarder for ten years. And one afternoon... Don't move! Don't move! I'm not moving. Go on. One afternoon, I, I came home, and, and there was mother lying on the floor with her, her throat. No, no, where are you? I can't... Go on. No, no, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. Tom! It's you, Tom, isn't it? I thought you said your friend was dead and buried. Stop playing with me. Stop torturing me. Tell me the truth. You escaped, didn't you? You didn't die, and it was someone else, someone else's grave, just as I thought. You escaped and found me here. 
Answer me, Tom. Where are you? I can't see you. I can't. Ah! I didn't mean it. I didn't. I didn't mean to send you there. It was, it was only because I loved you, Tom. Loved you so blindly, passionately for years. And hated Mama. And hated you for loving her. It was only to get revenge on you both that I killed her. And framed you. Mama was so cruel to me, Tom. She treated me like a slave. And all the time flaunting you in my face. <laughs> If you'd spoken one kind word to me, Tom, at the trial. One word to let me know you loved me. <laughs> You're going to kill me, aren't you, Tom? Here's the lobby, Mum. You can get out here, or I'll take you back up to the penthouse as soon as we've picked up the other passenger. The, the lobby? You brought me down to the lobby? Yes, ma'am. Then you're not Tom? No, ma'am. You're, you're not going to... You're not going to kill me? I, I'm free? Yes, ma'am. Then it was all just a crazy illusion. <laughs> a nightmare because the power went off and, and you look so much like Tom Nixon. <laughs> oh, forgive me. Please forgive me for being so absurd. It's okay. <laughs> and you'll forget about those silly things I said, won't you? I didn't mean them. It, it was just because I, I was beside myself. What silly things, Mom? Those silly things about, about my mother and, and Tom. And, now, now, this is for you. No, no, I, I insist this time. I insist. I'm sorry, Mom. But I'm afraid I never accept tips. Oh, but you, you must. Particularly from people who... Framed my twin brother. Good evening, Warden Graves. Good evening, Lieutenant Nixon. Well done. And so closes The Nightman, starring Virginia Bruce and Richard Waugh. Tonight's study in Suspense. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. To every woman listening tonight, I want to say a special word about making every dinner or supper you serve taste better. I want to urge you to start serving Roma wine with your meals. It's simple. The cost is very, very little. And it works magic in making food more enjoyable. You can serve Roma wine with any meal or any time in any kind of glass you wish. Serve it chilled. Try different kinds of Roma wine until you find those you enjoy most of all. Try hearty red Roma California Burgundy or the delicately delicious Roma California Sautern. The cost is only pennies a glass, but you'll find even a pickup supper 
tastes like a banquet. Get Roma wines today. If your dealer is temporarily out of them, please try again soon. Just ask for R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, America's largest selling wines. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Richard Worf appeared through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of Mrs. Parkington. Next Thursday, same time, you will hear Mr. Van Johnson and Mr. Keenan Wynn as stars of... Suspense! Presented by Roma Wines, R-O-M-A, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Remember this. The war is not over. For every reason, patriotic and personal, continue to buy and keep war bonds. Put as much of your money as possible where it will serve as a reserve to be used in the future. War bond dollars now can mean the realization of your long-range peacetime objectives. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. In just a moment, you will hear The Clock, presenting transcribed the premiere of a new thrill drama by Lucille Fletcher, the author of Sorry, Wrong Number, and other noted studies in suspense. Listen now to... The Clock. The American Broadcasting Company presents another in a series of dramatic programs, The Clock. From Hollywood... The Clock Tonight stars two distinguished players, Elliot Lewis and Jeanette Nolan, and is produced and directed by radio's master of the art of suspense, William Spear. Sands of time. Clocks. All over the city, clocks. Little clocks and big ones, new ones just learning to count. Old ones, old hands at the game. Clocks standing aloof from their owners, taking no part in their joys or sorrows. Their faces immutable, impervious. All over the city, the clocking needles, sewing the fabric of life. And the death which must make room for new life. Stitching time, the clock, whose face shows no anger or delight or surprise. Because time sees all things. From the two-room walk-up flat on the lower Third Avenue, New York, where Mr. and Mrs. Belaboshniak live over a second-hand clothing store. You can hear if the Third Avenue elevator isn't going by, 
the chimes of the huge clock atop the Metropolitan Life Insurance Company building. Good morning, Charlotte. I'm so sorry to be so late, but I overslept myself. I was dreaming. Breakfast is over two hours ago. Everything is put away. So, so, of course. But perhaps there's some coffee. I don't keep stale coffee standing around all day. If you want, you can make some for yourself. Thank you, Charlotte. Such a dream I had. Does my head ache? Do I feel depressed? Is there by any chance a piece of coffee cake in the house? No. Uncle Miklosh come by this morning. Uncle Miklosh? Will he want? He wants you to come down and make fresh potato salad. The boy from the high school didn't come. But I thought it was my day off. All what? right, all right, Charlotte. I will go. Just as soon as I have my coffee. Oh, what a dream. That's a terrible dream. Cannot seem to get it out of my head. Do you know what I was dreaming, Charlotte? Who cares? I dreamed I was being electrocuted. Electrocuted, Charlotte. Isn't that terrible? The water's boiling. And it was so real, too. I was in a cell, a real cell in a prison. White, glaring white, like a death room. I was lying on a cot with my hands behind my head when suddenly I heard these footsteps outside the door. Then I jumped up like a madman. And it came over me that the footsteps were my jailers. They were coming for me, to kill me. I was condemned to die. Will you hurry? Drink your coffee. I told him you'll be right yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, but the coffee's so hot. There's a cup for you, Joe. No. And then, these guards came into my cell and dragged me from the bars. There were four guards in gray uniforms. There was also a tin priest. Now, everything was very quiet. All the other prisoners shut up. They watched me from behind their cell doors. I could feel their eyes burning at me. I could hear my feet shuffle, shuffle along the floor. I felt so weak. No, you don't. Have another cup. Give me that pot. But, but it would help clear my head a little. After a dream like that... Get your clothes on. That will clear your head. In a minute, in a minute. I'm just trying to remember. Remember what? Why they were electrocuting me. What I had done. Oh, what an idiot. He worries about his dream. Ah, yeah, yeah. I suppose it's silly. But that is the trouble with dreams. They tell you one little thing, and it is so real. But the rest of the story, they keep it to themselves. What, are you going to stand around here talking all day? No, no, I was just going. I'll be right down. Disturb you, Charlotte. You can't come in. I'm scrubbing this kitchen, and I don't want you making tracks across my I floor. I know, Charlotte. I wouldn't want to mark your nice, clean floor. It's only my coffee. Go down to the drugstore for your coffee. It, it's closed on Sundays. So? I told you when we were having breakfast. I know, but 8 o'clock. It's such an early hour for Sunday. And Uncle Miklosh kept the stall open last night till 11. You didn't come home last night at 11. 
A little glass of beer at Kleinman's. Huh? Would you begrudge me that after I was on my feet till 11 o'clock at night? Please, Charlie. I don't feel so good this morning, either. Naturally, after Kleinman's. I'm not sleeping so good. Not all week. I'm having the same bad dreams. Yeah, all this sonic stupid. But it's true. Do you remember? I told you I dreamed I was electrocuted. I was in that cell. Well, every night now, for a week, I have been dreaming about that cell. So what? And in one corner, there's a bed. Two magazines, the Look magazine and the Hungarian Weekly. I can see them just as clear as if they were in this kitchen. Well, move those chairs out of the way. I want to scrub under the table. Don't, don't you think that's very clear, Charlotte? What clear? To dream all that. Every night. Ah, who cares about dreams? They're only junk in your head. Ah, but it is very clear, just the same, to be there night after night. Oh, yes. Last night. Uncle Miklos was there, too. Huh? What? I mean, in the dream. He came to see me in my cell. Wasn't that clear? I don't see anything so clear about that. Can you imagine Uncle Miklos giving me anything? That's a fine thing to say. Who brought you to America? Who gave you the job in the delicate I didn't pattern? mean that way, Charlotte. I meant... What did you mean? I meant... Well, Uncle Miklos is always so careful with food in the delicatessen. But, but in the dream, it was a very nice roast chicken in the dream. With plenty of breast and stuffing. And Uncle Miklos even had a bottle opener in his basket to open up the schnapps. He kept telling me to eat. Eat. Eat, Bella. He kept saying, stuff yourself. I can hear how he said it. You only got another month to live. Maybe. Maybe I should go to see a doctor. You should give me a thorough checkup. Maybe you should go to a fortune teller, too. If lots of places will be glad to take your money. If you only got the money. Might be a good idea. Only you don't got the money. But, Charlotte... Will you keep your dirty feet off my nice clean floor? Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Charlotte. I'll wipe it off. Oh, get out, will you? Go down to the drugstore and get your some, some coffee. Miklos went out. There was no customers. I was very tired. But if it is four o'clock, Uncle Miklos was coming back at three. So, Uncle Miklos was coming back at three? Now you're in a fine mess. A fine, nice mess. Well, maybe, maybe he's not back yet. Hey, and what's this bottle of beer doing under the sofa? What bottle of beer? So, that's why you were so tired. Why you didn't hear me. Why the radio was playing so loud I could hear it halfway down the street. Drunk. Oh, please, Charlotte. 
It was so hot. Mm. And I wasn't really drunk. I, I was only asleep. I was having a terrible nightmare. Where did you get this bottle? From Kleinman's? Or from Uncle Mikwash's store? From the store. Oh. But I will, I will pay him back, Charlotte. Now listen to my heart. <laughs> How it's still pounding. How can a man wake up quickly when he's dreaming he's on trial for his life? Think of it. A thousand people looking at you, and the judge with his black cap on, and the jury standing there, and then one of them getting up and pointing. And you hear the words, clear, clear. Guilty. Bela Bozniak is guilty. And is condemned to death. How many times do I have to tell you never to touch anything in that store that belongs to Uncle Nicholas? Charlotte, why should they say I am guilty? Because you are. You are guilty of stealing Uncle Mikos' bottle of beer and cheating on your time in that store. Nats yet. Nats! Like a millionaire! And how do I know what other things you are guilty of? Maybe you steal from the cash register. Who knows? Maybe you stuff yourself full of bloodwash and pickles when Uncle Mikos is not looking. Maybe you insult the Charlotte. customers. What a... What a terrible thing to say. I know what I hear from Uncle Miklos. What do you hear from Uncle Miklos? Huh. Lots of things. But all I got to say to you, Bella Bosniakis, you better watch your step from now on. You better behave yourself. Why? Got to see a doctor or something. Oh, get out of that bed, lazy, good for Charlotte, nothing. Charlotte, I'm really sick. I must have a growth in my brain. Yeah, there's always something the matter with you when it comes time Nobody to voice. Nobody keeps on dreaming the same dream night after night. Nobody. With a normal mind in his head. Keep quiet. I don't want to hear about your dreams. Always, always, I got this terrible guilt in me. Like a pain. All night long. I'm running away. I'm hiding from people who are trying to catch me. So, so, so why do you run? Why don't you get caught? I am on the streetcar, riding under the L down Third Avenue. There are lots of people. I'm squeezing myself tight up against the window, turning my face out, so no one will recognize me. I am pulling my coat collar up around my face and my cap down over my eyes. I am wearing dark glasses. I am running along the Lightstone Bridge. It's summer, a bright, flaring day. I am like a little black speck on the big steel bridge. And over my head, they are looking at me from airplanes. And under the bridge, they are watching me from boats. The automobiles are racing after me, honking their horns. Far, far ahead, at the end of the bridge, I see the man at the toll gate waiting to stop me. He's a tall man with glasses, a brown overcoat, bald. His name is Mr. Turner. What a place, darling. Don't do that. Uh, maybe if the covers are off you, you will shut your mouth and get out of that bed. I can't. I'm too weak. Lazy, good for nothing. Get up!
Well? I was over to the doctor. So you were over to the doctor. I wish you joy to the doctors. And what did the doctor do for you, millionaire? Nothing. Nothing. Three dollars he pays to the doctor for a visit, and the doctor does nothing for him. Wonderful. Dr. was not a mind doctor. It's for the stomach and the heart. He knows nothing about the brain. Oh, so now he figures that out, Dr. Stumpogel is not a mind doctor. Now, after he throws away the three dollars. He gave me these pills. Yeah, medicine already. How much did they cost? They're sleeping pills. I don't need sleeping pills. I don't want to go to sleep. So in this case, then, why did you buy them? I am afraid to sleep. Every time I sleep, there is that Mr. Toyner waiting for me again. He is everywhere. Beside the ash cans in the air shaft, on the fire escape, in the hallway behind the baby carriages. I even dream he's in the delicatessen. He's looking over the counter at me like a customer. He's hiding behind the herring barrels. Hey, give me those pills. You didn't take any yet, did you? He's even in Kleinman's. He's sitting there in the back room drinking a glass of beer and looking out the plate glass for me to go by. His face is green and red in the neon sign going on and off outside. Now green, now red. And sometimes I hear him whispering. That's good. It isn't a special prescription. I can take that back to the drugstore. You didn't even open the bottle. He whispers to somebody about me. He tells people what I have done. And I know it's true. I am guilty. Oh, oh, I am guilty. I'll go take that back to the drugstore right now. But why am I guilty? What have I done? Charlotte, think, think. How could I be guilty? Is, is it because of Mama that I left her there hungry and never brought her over like I promised? But you yourself, Charlotte, said there was no room. And the money Uncle Miklos paid me. How could I have brought Mama here to starve? How could I have paid a boat trip when there was nothing for us half the time to pay the rent? But maybe it is Mama cursing me from the grave. Charlotte! Charlotte! Don't leave me alone, please! Charlotte! Hello, Charlotte. I... I got good news for you, Charlotte. At last, I just slept. Huh. And the dreams, the bad dreams, have gone away. Two hours, three hours, I was sleeping, and there was nothing. Just sleep. Isn't that wonderful, Charlotte? I, I guess I'm cured, eh? You went out and left me alone. I was so tired. But I was afraid to sleep. I went to the park and I lay down on a bench. But the minute I closed my eyes, there was that Mr. Turner again with his face green and red. And then I went over to Kleinman. I had only two little beers. The pianola was playing. It was nice and cool and dark. Charlotte! Charlotte! What is it? Please, Charlotte! You're not that mad at me, are you? Oh, you scoundrel! You good for nothing, Shalami! Oh, Charlotte, please, what has happened? What has happened? You are fired. That is what has happened. Uncle Nicholas refuses to put up with you anymore. What? He's through with you. Do you hear? Through. There is a 
a boy. A high school boy working in your place full time. No, you, you mean making the potato salad, too? Yes, making the potato salad, too. And waiting on the customers. Now loafing on the sidewalk and taking naps and talking like a lunatic. And getting drunk every other night. And now what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I will go down and speak to Uncle Miklos. Ah, he will go speak to Uncle Miklos at two o'clock in the morning. Yet he will speak to Uncle Miklos and get thrown out on his ear and go to the hospital and cause more expense. Uh, uh, Uncle Miklos, he will get over it, Charles. Yes, that's what you think. You haven't talked to Uncle Miklos yet. But Charles, two days. Two days! Yes, Uncle Nicholas couldn't go to Hoboken to see about the cheesecake. You were lying home, sick in bed. With what? With the fever, with the stomach trouble, with that lake? No! With dreams! Bad dreams, just like a baby! Oh, Charlotte! And where are you? When the customers are telephoning for the orders, they should be sent up right away. Upstairs, sleeping, taking a nap. And where are you Friday night? The busiest night in the store. Seeing Dr. Stumphogel throwing out your good money to a crack. And where are you today when Uncle Miklos is going to play in the Interbrooks Hungarian Checkers Tournament? Checkers Tournament today? Yes! Uh, I'm sorry, I forgot. Drunk. Sleeping. In Kleinman's back room. Never. I wouldn't stay away on purpose, Charlotte. Uh, yeah, that's all the thanks Uncle Miklos did. After all, he's done for you. I don't blame him. He gave you plenty of rope. You should hang yourself with. He closed his eyes to plenty. Oh, I'll apologize. I'll explain to apologize. him everything in the morning. He's not unreasonable. Oh. After all, he's your uncle, uh, Charlotte. Too bad for him. He wouldn't let us starve, Charlotte. Uncle Miklos couldn't. Nine o'clock. How much longer are you going to wait to go down and speak to Uncle Nicholas? In a minute. I'm going right away. I just got to pull myself together a little. Yeah, I thought so. You don't talk so brave this morning, do you? It's not that. It's just... I'm sick. I got those same bad dreams back all over again. Sure, you got them. Whenever you got something to do you don't want to do, back they come. Wonderful. No, Charlie. I'm not afraid of Uncle Miklos now. I am afraid of myself. But don't think I'm such a sucker, Bella. I've listened to you complaining long enough. I don't fall for that same listen, tune listen, forever. Charlotte, listen to me just for once. Job can wait a few minutes. Oh, the job can wait, can that? <laughs> That's a new one, the job can wait. I, I have done something. Maybe... Maybe I did it in my sleep. Maybe I'm a sleepwalker. Maybe I climbed down the fire escape sometime and went into somebody's kitchen somewhere and, and committed a murder. <laughs> I couldn't dream such things all by myself. Last night, I dreamed I'd just killed somebody. <laughs> it had just made two o'clock. I was coming out of a window, climbing out over the sill. It was night. 
there was a fire escape with flower pots going down into an air shaft. I started to climb down. It was a long way to the ground. I crept down like a monkey. And as I went, I could see into all the dark windows of the flats. A man was eating his supper, and his radio was playing, and a baby was crying. And all the time, I kept holding my breath, afraid they would see me. Because upstairs, there was somebody lying in a room, white, like a kitchen, dead, that I had killed. <laughs> Shut up! Luna, dig Shut up with that nonsense, or I'd clap you in the crazy house right now. Now, get downstairs, Uncle Miklos, and get that job back. You hear? Do you hear me, Bella? Did you hear what I said? Look at you, shaking like a leaf. You're an old man already. You're not afraid of Uncle Miklos, not much. You're afraid of everything. Afraid of your own shadow. Your own crazy dreams. A fine man I throw myself away on. A fine hero. <laughs> yes. What are you looking at me that way for? You don't think I can hit you, huh? You think I'm going to stand around here forever wasting my time on a good for nothing? You think I'm good only to wash your clothes and keep your house clean? You think I got no strength in my hands? I can hurt you worse than that sometime. Much worse. You get your life... Well, what are you standing there for then? Are you going down now? Or not? I am going, Charlotte. I'm going. of night. Making sandwiches. There's no bread for sandwiches. What you doing with that knife? I was just dreaming. He had another strange dream, Charlotte. Get into bed. Put that knife back into the drawer. I was dreaming. I was washing my hands. Charlotte, over there, in that sink. So, what? And they were covered with blood. 
I was washing this knife, too. <laughs> it was covered with blood, too. Yeah. And... And what so... What so strange about that? It was your blood, Charlotte. My blood? Transcribed from Hollywood, The Clock is produced and directed by William Spear, the master of suspense. And tonight starred Jeanette Nolan and Elliot Lewis. This evening's play was written by Lucille Fletcher. The Clock theme was composed by Bernie Green. Our musical director is Basil Adlam. Next week, same time, you will hear Kathy and Elliot Lewis as stars of... The Clock. be telephoned to name the new mystery melody for fabulous jackpot prizes. Be sure to hear it on Stop the Music tonight over this ABC station. Well, guys, that does it for Miss Lucille Fletcher and her three performances on the show for tonight. I hope you guys have enjoyed my podcast. You can subscribe and comment on your favorite podcast platforms such as Google, Apple, Spotify, CastBox, and wherever else you get your podcast. Please welcome to the show Thursday night two episodes. The first episode will be Mr. Jack Benny as we welcome him to the podcast and Mr. Anton M. Leader, as we welcome him to the show as well. And then stay tuned next week, guys, as I welcome next Monday writer, actor, producer, and director Mr. Orson Welles back to the program. And to finish off the month of August next Tuesday night, please welcome to the show writer, producer, and director. Mr. John Donald Wilson to the program. Then next Friday, welcome back to the program, Miss Kathy Lewis and Miss Murray Wilson and my friend Irma. Then stay tuned for September the 8th as we celebrate the 1960s release of the movie Psycho and bring the director of Psycho himself, Mr. Alfred Hitchcock, to the show 
Once again, guys, thank you to everyone who has listened and subscribed to my podcast. I really do appreciate it. If you're new to the podcast, welcome to the show. Please go back and listen to the very first episode on Mr. Orson Welles. And once again, guys, thank you. If you like the show, please comment and subscribe, guys. And have a great night. Thanks.